Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it two to four episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, so we're watching the final two episodes of Move to Heaven, and you know, sometimes two dramas in a row, you forget to count the episodes before you start the um, layout of how you are going to do the the podcast, even though you've been doing it for four years. Yes, you do still. That's just a thing that sometimes happens. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. We do zero preparation for this show and thus had no idea that there were only 10 episodes until we were watching episode nine and it said, hey, you you don't have many episodes left. You're just about done. And my sweet, sweet brain said, no, where's the rest of it? <laughs> Give I've me got more. 16 episodes. Which, you know, I feel, I'm, I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna say it, I feel like 10 episodes was a mistake for this drama. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what I think, and I still think it's a mistake. Uh, I think they are planning on doing a season two, and we didn't do research ahead of time to realize that they were doing a season two, because the way the final episode finally finaled was not a way that says to me, all right, we're done. Yeah, they're like, we're gonna do, you know how we were nailing the cliffhangers throughout this series? We're gonna do a cliffhanger right at the end, too. It'll be a love triangle between... Guda, Gudu, got it, Namu, and this new girl, who's maybe gonna die. Mystery, intrigue, come back for season two. No, I will not. Yeah, I don't need a romance. I don't need a romance for anyone, I've decided. But if I'm going to have a romance, clearly it's going to be Songu and the social worker. And don't give me anything else. I've completely flipped. I've completely changed my mind. I don't want a romance, but I especially just don't, like, need or want a romance for Guru. Maybe that's awful. Um, I just, like, would be fine with him, like, focusing on, you know, like, him. That would be cool with me. His dad just died. He's going through a lot. Yeah, I don't know what a romance with Guru is gonna look like. I think it could be an interesting storyline. I am almost unreasonably upset that they decided that Namu had a crush on Guru. I was like, I don't, I don't want to fault the actress because I think she's great. I didn't find it believable. It no. kind of seemed like she was lying as she was saying it. I was yeah. like, there's no build up to this. There is no evidence that she likes him in a way that's not protective and uh, worried about him. Yeah, that was 100% just drama for drama's sake, which, like, obviously we watch K-dramas. We're ready for drama, but that feels fabricated and frustrating. I don't know what to say other than that, that that it's just yeah it's not believable it's way more believable and i mean it was almost to the point that it was so unbelievable that i thought i misunderstood like maybe it was like a translation thing or 
or something. I'm still not convinced it's not, right? Because I don't, or maybe it was just her throwing that out there to be like, whatever, I agree, but that's not the issue at hand, right? Or something? I don't know. Because then they had a scene a few minutes later where Gudu does something and she starts blushing about it. And I just, I was like, oh, I think they're trying to drive home that she likes him, that she's, like, willing to follow him. I can't even remember what it was because it was so convoluted and just the only time that they were like, we gotta show that Namu has a crush. I was like, you really just came up with this. I don't care for it. It feels like something they came up with to have stuff to focus on in a second season, which is exactly why I don't like most Western dramas, or I guess a thing I've always, an an issue I've always had with Western dramas is that it feels like they just become about something else eventually because they go on for so long and they have to, yeah, come up with convoluted plot points to thicken the plot to keep it going for another season. Um, I have never been able to watch Supernatural. I'm so sorry if there's someone on here that is so, like, listening to our podcast that's, like, so into Supernatural. Um, That show went on for too long. That is, like, the classic, uh, I don't know, to me, for me, this is 100% opinion, that is the classic Western media keep it going forever because we just don't want feel like stopping it. And so those people died like six times. I watched the first two seasons I and I could not watch past that because <laughs> they die and then they make death completely impermanent. Everything's really convoluted. Yeah, this guy's a demon now. Now he's not. This We're going to go to hell to find our friend. I don't... It just... It was just, it became meaningless to me. I'm so sorry. This is like the most controversial I've ever been because I know that people who love Supernatural love Supernatural. Please don't come for me. But like... (laughs) That's the thing is I will always be like, when I'm in it, I'm in it. Like I watched, what, six seasons of The Mentalist? I don't remember how many there are. It took forever for me to get through it, but I love that it just becomes like... He's solving the same cases, getting maybe an inch closer to the finding the killer, and then eventually he gets like a different job. He starts working for the FBI. It almost feels like a spin-off series, and <laughs> he's like barely interacting with the team that of cops that he first started working with, and that team has totally changed because all the actors left. Like I love that stuff. I I guess I just grew up on it. I'm like, Criminal Minds can keep going forever. Let's make that show <laughs> eternally. I'm into that. But yeah, I think there's uh, purity. Oh, I hate that. Hate that word for Korean dramas. That there's a cyclical like beginning and end. And you are, I guess, more of an arc than a circle. There's a story to it, and it feels so clean-cut that there's always a beginning and an end, and every storyline feels complete, and I don't like that they're breaking away from that to make it more Western. Yeah, and it's... 
I've only seen it so far, really, with Netflix-made dramas. I guess I'm calling out Netflix. I guess I'm here to call it- I'm here to call you out, Netflix. We don't need it. From- keep on making your dramas, you know? Do what you want. I guess I just don't need- it's the same- have I talked about my hatred of sequels on- I don't think so. Okay, on the podcast? Well, here we go. Um, it's pretty much the same thing as what I've just been saying, except that I think it's a capitalist thing, right? And I'm not saying that Korea isn't a capitalist country. I'm like 80% sure they are. Um, I don't, clearly I, I don't know so. enough. Yeah, I'm like 100% sure they are. Shut up, Raquel. Cables are a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like people are born into money and everything. It's totally a thing. They're a capitalist country. It's why them and North Korea don't get along, because <laughs> North Korea is the exact opposite of a capitalist country. Um, I It's a capitalism thing, though, right? To keep it going, to keep getting money off of the same thing, and so we make a sequel for a thing that doesn't need a sequel, and keep milking it until it's a meaningless piece of media. And I, I don't know. I Some things are built to have a sequel, right? Like, a sequel's built in and made. I am not out here saying The Lord of the Rings should not have been a trilogy. Obviously, that's how it was written, that's how it was created. It was started as a trilogy, and it ended as a trilogy. Sequels themselves are fine. It's the sequels that don't need to happen. The sequels to something that could be one complete story, the way K-dramas usually are, that, and then we start adding more into them so we can keep making money off of them and that's where it, that that's the purity thing right at first it's it's not purity as in it's pure and i don't know doesn't swear i guess it's not that yeah, type of no. thing it's purity as in it's uh not corrupted by the need to keep taking from the story it's, like mm -hmm. you said, a complete arc. You get a story told as it's supposed to be told, the way the writer wanted it told, without having, you know, an executive, a Netflix executive sitting here saying, okay, well, people really love it, though, so what if we make a love triangle and put in a second season? Yeah, that's what it felt like. Like, I, I disagree in general. I usually like sequels i know there are examples of sequels that have gone bad but there's also plenty of examples like toy story where i'm like you can keep making toy stories i don't care they seem to be going just fine and we don't need them but we enjoy them and yeah i think that was my problem with move to heaven is that it felt like there was this story that was written and could have been completed within 16 episodes. We could have seen more from the prosecutor. And I'm glad that she showed up at the last episode, but I feel like she could have had more of an impact if there were more episodes. We could have seen more from the social worker. She just kind of disappeared. And we could have gotten, yeah, more resolution with... Uh, or at least a slower resolution with Guru and Sangu. I feel like suddenly in episode 9, Sangu was super happy, 
super like comfortable with the move to heaven job. I remember being super excited when he finally did the take off your hat and introduce yourself to the deceased moment. But then he did all everything else. He also made breakfast and he was super smiley. He was very kind to Gudu and he did the like, I'm probably going to be leaving, but I can't tell him I'm going to go. And it just felt very like, you have to love him now because he's going to leave. We only have 10 episodes. He's going to leave. He's probably going to die. Or at least we have to build up to that. So let's do everything now and make you love him just at the last second. And it, ugh, you don't need to rush it. Just give a few more episodes. Show him slowly becoming more comfortable with one thing at a time. Don't give him a seat at the table in episode 9 just so you can be like, and we're done in episode 10. Scene. Yeah. Totally agree, because yeah, his storyline was the one that felt the most rushed out of everyone's. Plus, these last two episodes, so the last, so episode eight, the last episode we covered in our last episode of the podcast, holy cow, saying the words last episode too many times in a row, losing meaning, Um, they have the conclusion of, of his, him finding out that his relationship with his brother was needlessly um bad right he his brother didn't abandon him but he didn't know that and yada 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 i i feel like we got the one part of him comparing his own experiences to that uh the the person who the young man who died without knowing his mom and we kind of get to see him going through those feelings uh, just there, though, right? We only really see him processing all of that, all of his relationship with his brother, right there. Because we take a break from it after episode eight. And we just don't acknowledge it really at all for too long. <laughs> and then we acknowledge it really quick in a couple of minutes. And then he's healed, I guess? over the loss of a brother who he could have had a relationship with if he had only known these small details, I just feel like that should have had at least an episode and a half to really go through his shit and deal with it. And yeah, we got a a couple, like 30 second monologue and some sad Nike shoes tears and... They somewhat acknowledge it when they're looking for Guru after he runs off, but most of that is about Guru's relationship with his parents and how he came to be adopted and everything. There's not a whole lot of Sangu really, I don't know, processing all of that. Mm -hmm. His entire storyline got totally nerfed by it being a 10-episode one season thing so weird i uh i wasn't crazy about episode nine i thought it was beautiful and sad but it just kind of felt i don't know like they each of the episodes dwelled on or brought light to a social issue and maybe i just didn't connect with this social issue as deeply and that's why i didn't care for it quite as much Also, 
I don't mean to call anyone out here, but the actor who played the man who died, Matthew, I think his name was, was a little bit, uh, maybe underprepared. I felt like his acting was a little bit high school level, and that's bold of me to say. <laughs> I haven't acted since high school. Hypocrite pot calling kettle black over here, but <laughs> I was like, Who's, what's going on with this guy? Is he part of the show? I hadn't thought about it at the time. I, I don't disagree with you um, on any of your points, which is to say I don't feel maybe like the person to cast stones, but also looking back, uh, yeah, I, I, I also agree with you. It wasn't the most... I was sad. I was more sad during the delivery given by the, I guess, backstory delivery given by the anchor woman, the journalist anchor woman, mm -hmm. who r later went on to report about it. And that was very moving, both her report, but also her being really devastated over the loss of a young man who was essentially homeless and had no one with him that she had loved so much when he was a tiny baby, and she just wanted him to know he was loved and he didn't deserve to die alone uh, in a seedy hotel room, seedy, messy hotel room. Yeah, and Guru's line about, like, he was mourned by the woman who loved him like a mother, something like that. I didn't write it down, but I cried over that line. I was like, beautiful summary of the episode. Love to see it. Yeah, but I was more, um, I was less moved by his performance and more just sitting there thinking, wow, does everyone, I obviously it's a show about death. And I knew that going into it. That's why we called this Big Sad September. I expected to be sad. But during like his storyline, I just started thinking about how, um, I don't know, it just kind of felt more like I was being told to be sad than I was actually sad until mm. I was shown how sad it was later by other people. Oh, sorry, Matthew Green. You just didn't pull me in, bud. But yeah, I, I get that. The, I, I guess I felt the same way, where watching him was just not as interesting. So this build-up around his death and then his eventual death felt... Just kind of like, see, isn't he pathetic? Isn't he sad? And you're like, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's pretty sad. And then they're like, no, you haven't even heard the half of it yet. And yeah, it takes a lot for that episode to actually get you to cry when you feel like you're probably supposed to be sad from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, it was more just the acknowledgement of, yes, I'm supposed to be sad, but I'm not than anything else for a good long while. And I think it's interesting because they sort of did the same thing in the first episode. Uh, with, But they did such a good job of um, slowly unraveling the details. They gave themselves time in the first episode to be to show a young man who went home and died alone. And then the details kind of slowly started to come together and I was sad for him you know from the get-go I was it it was horrifying but 
the way they uncovered the information about his life was so much different because it wasn't, again, it just, it all felt so rushed together the last two episodes. Um, And that's the story of the show, right? Is to be like, somebody dies and these trauma cleaners come in and they're able to piece apart their lives and tell their stories post-mortem. Like, that's the skill and this beauty that trauma cleaners have. It's something that they practice and they can do with such respect and it's yeah it's a huge talent that they have and it was like combined with the bonus episode so here's a fun fact apparently this show was based off of a book that was written by a trauma cleaner where he kind of shares some of these like stories and these skills that he's gotten and how important it is that we that trauma cleaners exist and that they are able to piece together people's lives and hand them over to those who remain. And yeah, I think that was really exemplified very well in the first episode and it was kind of lost in the ninth episode. I don't think I realized it until you started explaining it, but seeing him explain his own story and then eventually die was for some reason so much less sad than seeing the trauma cleaners come in and try and piece apart somebody's story by what they left behind. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was so different and they it's pretty rare I feel like we've reviewed quite a few dramas now. And this is I think the first time where they had me completely enthralled through the first I don't know almost entire drama until the end. Usually it's the end that comes in and fucks me up. But the way the end was handled with this drama, um, the way they made it feel like not an end, they didn't really do much closure, they just set themselves up for a new season, uh, they didn't give themselves time to explore the spaces that they clearly wanted to, they crammed it all in there, and they... I don't know, they didn't give themselves that time, and because of that, it shows. It showed in the last two episodes, which is such a bummer, because I still do love this drama. It's Mm -hmm. cool and unique, and I love that it was based on a book written by an actual trauma cleaner. That is amazing. That's so stunning, and I don't know, because you're watching these people thinking, there's no one like these people, really. No one is doing this really beautiful work of delivering these stories of those who have departed and then to find out no it it actually is based on someone who worked to do just that as a trauma cleaner is that so awesome not just one person the writer who was also actually the writer of boys over flowers oh dang the polar opposite of this k-drama yet also one of the most popular k-dramas of all time um yeah she read the book, I think it's called, like, Things That Are Left Behind. I can't quite remember. Obviously, it was a translated title by a Korean trauma cleaner, and she was so moved by it but that she contacted the author and interviewed him and actually went and did one of his jobs with him and saw how, how he went about it and how rewarding it was, and then she interviewed trauma cleaners from Japan and the U.S. and 
put together this show based not on any real stories, but yeah, on the collective experience of this job and how beautiful she thought it all was. I think that's so cool. And she did it justice. Like, as much as I wasn't a huge fan of these last two episodes, I think you've kind of helped me realize that maybe I wasn't because it felt like someone else stepped in and was like, we need to K-drama this up. This is a bit too much of like a sad and realistic portrayal of something that happens in real life and it reads like a poem. We want it to read like a K-drama. Let's add a let's add a storyline. Let's add a love triangle <laughs> here at the end. Just for flavor. Just eke it in. Yeah, we we resolved all the other stuff uh which like hurry up and do that so that we can gain this love triangle here at the end. Boo. Yeah, lame. Um I'm trying to think if there's anything I super loved in these two episodes before we do almost exclusively bonus content. Um, uh, I don't feel like the thing with the fighting ring is resolved. Again, that felt pretty rushed in the sense that the main person who was running it, who knows where they live, got away. So clearly that's coming back in season two. Knows where um, they live and I think has the deed to their house still. Yeah. Fun. That's okay. going to be a fun aspect of season two. Um, I liked... I don't know. I have a lot of mixed feelings about Gudu's origin story. Where obviously I cried. I thought it was beautiful. Their beautiful little family that couldn't give up on this baby and was willing to meet him where he was. They were willing to be like, if he's not going to speak, then we're going to learn sign language. It was never a question of how do we change him? How do we make him do something that he doesn't want to do? I thought, yeah, just watching their family come together. Gorgeous. Yes. So cute. 100%. Uh, yes. Not a super big fan of being like, this the the kid the main character a person with Asperger's he was saved he wasn't just adopted he wasn't just chosen from an orphanage by this this couple who wanted a baby he was saved by the the grace of some force of the universe yeah what is with this kid who was orphaned twice what is happening <laughs> Just, he doesn't need to be saved. I yeah. don't know. I'm it just would, like, can't he just be a baby? Yeah, it would have been fine if he was their biological child and they didn't just save him, but they were just so thrilled to be his parents. And like you said, I love even the way you put it, like, meet him where he is because there's nothing wrong with him and they... Uh, they love him and they want to give him the best quality life that they possibly can provide for him. And they do, they totally do. But yeah, just either he could have been their biological kid, but also I love an adoption storyline. I've said multiple times on the podcast how much I love adoption. I think it's so powerful. It's had a huge impact on my family. Um, my mom was adopted and into a family that did have kids, right? They just adopted because they had 
more love to give. And that's really amazing to me. And my mom has always felt like she ended up where she was supposed to be. And uh, I know that that is not always the case, but, you know, I, I still think that that's pretty amazing. And there's power in adoption. And clearly Guru feels the same way and his family felt the same way that he ended up exactly where he was supposed to be. Um, but yeah, I do agree that it doesn't have to be a savior thing, right? It could just be uh, the power of adoption and the power of love and the power of found family. And uh, those things are all just as powerful as biological family or more so. And that could really be the message here is just, you know, like biological family wasn't there. We d we didn't even have to know what happened to them. It didn't have to be abandoned in a basement or whatever. It could have just yeah. been, you know, they weren't fit parents and that's fine. Uh, I just think, yeah, it could have been powerful to be like, we obviously, I think they would have needed more time for this. Again, more episodes, please. But I think <laughs> it could have been powerful to show this couple who gets married, gets excited about having a kid, whether they try to on their own or they decide to go straight for adoption. Like, we can see that play out. And once they decide to adopt, they get this baby and they're very excited. And after a few years, they realize that he's not, like, meeting the standard marks of progression that the kid's his age are all are all meeting and they're like oh he's different how do we handle this as parents like I don't know I wanted to see this choice of like we chose to become parents we chose to become parents forever to this kid and this is our baby there is no question in our mind that this is our son and yeah we will meet him where he is I think that would have been so much more powerful than being like, obviously there's no question, because we saved him, and we are constantly here to save him. We are going to be his rescuers and his heroes because he was abandoned and he needs us. I do think there are two things they did right to kind of, I guess, um, what's the, I guess, um mitigate that that mm. feeling because that feeling was definitely there the the savior thing and everything and uh but there were a couple things two things specifically and one was um that he wasn't supposed to go to them and they still fought to make sure they got to adopt him because they realized he was their baby and i think that that's very lovely uh and then the other thing uh being when his mom was dying of cancer and just that she thanked him for the opportunity to be his mom was really lovely and I think kind of helps mitigate that because it's less uh, like a we saved you and more like a this kind of like we were both saying before, we we choose you and you are where you're supposed to be kind of thing. Oh, that's fair. They did a good job. I'm not mad at this show, as much as it sounds like I am. I know, we have dragged it. That feels kind of typical for us. If the, if we don't find some episodes to drag, usually around episode 10 is the episode that we get hyped to just 
put on blast uh, for whatever reason. <laughs> There's like an algorithm that we can apply to play on K to find which episode is going to be the episode that we maybe are unfairly harsh on. And uh, yeah, I think that that's these episodes. It's unfortunate that they were the last episodes we will get to see, at least for a while. And I don't know, we don't really have... Uh, precedence for doing a second season really for any k-drama we we haven't really done that yet it's it might be coming down the pipeline anyway because we do have a couple other netflix dramas planned but Mm -hmm. we'll have to see i don't know we can see how we're feeling we can see what's on the requested watch list uh see if big sad september is gonna come back around next year yeah maybe next year we get sad again you know all together now (laughs) every year Uh, yeah we'll stick around we'll see but dang i'm just i'm just sad it's over you can't take it away from me like this (laughs) don't go like this Mm. yeah I wanted to be more sad. I wanted to really cry. I think I've been sad lately, and it would have been, and I can't even really pinpoint it all, but it would have been nice to just get a real good catharsis cry out in these last two episodes. But I guess I'll have to just, I don't know, go back and watch something that makes me sad that I know will get that (laughs) catharsis cry going. I'm surprised you didn't. I cried pretty hard at episode 10. As much as I'm dragging it, I was in. I was fully suckered into that whole story. Oh. I, I got teary, but I didn't, yeah. There was no full-on catharsis cry. I didn't, you know, ugly sob in the darkness of my living room. And that's what I was really looking for. <laughs> oh, I started to ugly sob. It's definitely harder with a baby. They're like the opposite of dogs. Like, if you start to ugly sob with a dog around... Most of the time, they'll be like, oh my god, are you okay? Like, come up, kind of nuzzle you, be like, I don't want you to be sad. Why are you doing this? And a baby will look at you, stone-faced, and be like, okay, it's not your turn anymore. (laughs) It's my turn to cry, actually. And then they'll just cry louder than you. The rudeness, the lack of respect... (laughs) The disrespect in this house. Hey, baby? No. I'm trying to cry here. (laughs) You can cry with me, I guess. But she's like, no. It's me or nothing. (laughs) I will outcry you. It is my turn. Shut your mouth. It's one of the three things I can do, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. Okay. Ugh. Eve. Come on, man. Rude. (laughs) Babies. Who's raising this child? Maurice gets... He... You know, he's somewhere in between being a human baby and wanting to be the only one who gets to cry and being a dog who wants to check on you and give you a cuddle until you feel better, which is to say, he never makes me feel better. He's very dramatic, (laughs) but it also is, I think, his way of trying to say, no, no, don't cry. He's just socially... A nightmare. If you guys have heard me talk about my dog, love him unconditionally, unconditionally, he's insane. 
Um, he'll just start to bark at me and cry and freak out. But also he will come close to me and put his paw on me. But also he's very close to me barking and crying in my ear and he's a loud boy. So, <laughs> you know... If anyone tries to comfort me that's not Maurice, he gets really mad at them. And yes, he might bite them because he thinks that the hug is the reason I'm crying. So, Aww. you know. Maurice, that's not good. Yeah, he's a mess. He's a wreck. I love that's him. good behavior. <laughs> I love him, but wow. Don't be that way. Oh. Um. Bonus? Bonus. Get real <laughs> deep into the bonus. Let's uh, bonus it up really hard. Should we start with who's that face or should we start with uh, interview chats and then maybe a bonus bonus where I do a poetry reading? I say we do who's that face integrated with interviews and then the poem. Okay. Finish us off. Perfect. Uh, Who's that face? This is a good one. Last time Uh we had a very unrecognizable who's that face. So this one's exciting because we know a lot of whose faces are whose. Yeah, let's see if I can remember them without clicking on all the pictures. That'll be the hard part. Uh, I can. We can start with Guru, who I definitely recognized from Crash Landing on You. Did you? I yeah. did not until I saw the listing and I was like, oh my god! Why am I so bad at this game? Of course he's the baby from Crash Landing on You. Classic. Oh. The the good boy. The good boy from Crash Landing on You. Everyone's Cute. favorite North Korean. <laughs> um, is that the biggest thing we know him from? I think so. I think that's that's the only thing I know him from. And it is the biggest drama, so for sure it's the biggest thing we know him from. I'm not sure if we know him from anything else, though, to be honest. Um, oh, he has not been in much. Move to Heaven, Crash Landing on You, and three He's other only dramas. 18, so... Oh my god, an actual baby. He was born after the year 2000. Insanity. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, he's killing it. What the fuck? I saw that he was really nervous to work with um, Lee Jae-hoon, Uncle, Uncle Sangu, because he was like, I'm such a big fan of that guy. Oh, he <laughs> is so cute. wildly famous uh, internationally, I think, now, right? Because he was in... Um, was he in... Oh, he was in... I thought he was in... Um, <laughs> you have to say it. <laughs> I have to say it. I can't think of the name. That's why I keep doing that. Uh, it was the most famous Korean drama in all history. And it starts with a P, I think. Uh, not Poltergeist. What? Oh, Parasite? Yes. Oh my god. Parasite. I think he was in Parasite. No, he wasn't. I just looked. I thought he was okay. for some reason. I don't know why. I Oh, because he looks somewhat similar to the main the the lead in that. 
Yes, I think so. And I think we watched Time to Hunt, the movie he was in. We did a bonus episode on that uh, for our Patreon. Because it's just a movie. It's not a series or anything, if you guys aren't familiar with it. Uh, But we watched that around the time Parasite came out or not long after. And we talked about Parasite, I think, before we watched it or something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I thought he was in it. Because, yeah, he looks kind of similar. But mostly when we were talking about him or about, yeah, him and that movie, we also referenced Parasite. Maybe even in our episode on Patreon. I can't remember. I don't remember anything I say. If it's been a week, I have no memory of saying something. (laughs) I forgot we watched him in that. That's crazy. He was great. He is amazing. He's in some, like, top-tier shows. He's in Taxi Driver, which came out this year, so I haven't seen it yet. But it's getting rave reviews so far. Hot Stove League, which I've heard a lot about, and Signal, which is a huge classic. Yeah, and that one is on our to-watch list. Um, It's, I think, I I think it's coming out this year from Play on K, a review of Signal. Don't quote me on that. I'm going to forget I said it. Please don't remind me. Pretty sure we'll get to it. Yeah. We'll see. Um... He had the most interviews, Lee Jae-hoon. Pretty much every result for Move to Heaven interview was an interview with Lee Jae-hoon. I don't know why. I guess he was just free. Yeah, he was the one. He had gotten vaccinated first, right? So they were like, you can come. Just kidding. It was 2020. No one had been vaccinated early 2020. Um, But... Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe he was, maybe he got COVID and recovered. And so they were like, yeah, you got the antibodies. Come on, let's do an interview. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it works. Just come on. Yeah, wild speculation from Play on K, as usual, potentially damaging. We don't mean anything (laughs) we say ever. I do not know if he had COVID. I'm sure if he did, he was incredibly responsible about it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Preach. Um, yeah. I don't know why he was the one interviewed, but it was cute to listen to him and how much he respected this show, how excited he was. He trained like six days a week doing boxing and getting ripped for this role. It worked. Also, maybe he was interviewed because he's wildly attractive. It's just Fair. so cute. Stupidly attractive, even with his awful mullet. (laughs) I loved his mullet, maybe because of him. Because I don't, I'm not usually a bit, I'm not usually, you know, I'm pretty neutral on mullets. And on him, so attractive. He looked so good. It was a mohawk mullet, which is really unique. And wow, did he wear it, you know? Bold. Bold. Bold look. Um... I don't know where I fall on mullets. I watch a YouTuber who is obsessed with them, so I feel like I'm giving them a little more wiggle room in my heart, but it's hard growing up in the Midwest where all the cowboys have the worst mullets. In the Southwest? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. To break that association with mullets, 
is difficult. And to see it on so many adorable K-pop idols and be like, <gasps> are they awful racist gunslinging cowboys as well? Or <laughs> Oh my god, that's the best description of where we grew up. Wow. Like the best and worst, best is an accurate, worst as an accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that everybody with a mullet in Utah is a racist. But I'm not it, saying it's unlikely. It's not causation, but there's some correlation there, you know? Let's but just check with our friends. If your friend has a mullet, just, just ask. Check. Yeah, just do a quick check. Make sure that, you know, they believe in equality and they don't have a Confederate flag in their window of their car or something. Um, just check. Just yeah, check just check. these things. Yeah. Check in with your friends. Oh, he did say that genuinely. He said, like, this show has, like, especially during the pandemic, I feel like it came at a good time to remind me to tell my loved ones that I love them because he was like, I have trouble expressing that stuff and always felt really cheesy and poorly timed and this, both the pandemic and this lovely show, Move to Heaven, have reminded me that it's always a good time to tell your family and friends that you love them and genuinely check in with them, not just about the Confederate flag thing, but about <laughs> your deep love and mutual respect for them. Aww, he's cutie. Yeah, he's a cute boy. Yeah, I like that a lot. And that, we should all, um, you know, check in also with a loved one. Could be a friend, could be a an adopted parent. I don't know why I thought you were going to say a duck. Could a be a duck. Could be a, do you love a duck? Anyone. Check, check in with your duck. Check in with your ducks. Check in with your adoptive parents. Just do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a cutie. Yeah, he was... I don't know why I felt like I had seen him in so many other things. I think the only thing we did see him in was A Time to Hunt. Haha. <laughs> Whoops. He's got one of those good faces. Um, Papa Jijin Hee, I don't know from anything. He's been in so many things, but he's in the upcoming, I think maybe currently airing show, The Road, The Tragedy of One, which looks super intense and interesting. The Road. is It's not based on not the based book. based on The Road okay. by Cormac McCarthy. Just no. check in. I have re I've read... Not a lot of books, but I have read that one, and it made me ugly cry, so... <laughs> this is different. Very, very different if you read the description of the show. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's different. Um, um, and nothing else. He didn't look familiar. I loved him. He didn't look familiar, though. Yeah, I wanted to say that he was in the road because it's such a polar opposite role. I think he's the lead in that, and it's a very intense character. And I was like, that's just so hard to imagine, our good papa being an intense, chaotic man. Yeah, because he was just the most pure character we've ever encountered, maybe, mm -hmm. um, in any K-drama in this. He was just, you know, back-to-back -back injecting our life with goodness, even post-mortem and yeah, i was gonna nominate him for the happy award i think he gets it i think he actually is a happy award winner for once <gasps> we have one that is 
Undisputed. A human man winning the Happy Award. Who would have guessed it? That, yeah, that's an award for just those who are pure of heart. So it can usually only go to dogs. (laughs) But pure of heart and usually dead. So Papa nailed it. Yep. He... He was pure of heart, and then he, you know, early on, he got out. He got in, he was pure, he got out. And that's how you get the happy award. Nailed it. Couldn't ask for more from that guy. Yep. Do we have any Bus Stop Girl Award winners? Um, I don't know. Like, maybe the little girl who bought the AC unit for the janitor? Or, like, the prosecutor? Mm -hmm. She... Would be a good bus stop girl. She did a good turn. Um, hmm. Maybe one of the bank clerks that were, that remembered the nice old lady. None of them had names. Not gonna lie, it feels like every episode had a bus stop girl. Yeah, all of these are good bus stop girls because they all, you know, came in with like, uh, they did a good turn, uh, didn't get any names, you know, they didn't take a name. Uh, yeah, there's also the tailor that held on to the suit for the little old woman who wanted to buy it for her son. Mm-hmm. And was very patient with this woman who had dementia and said the same thing every day. He was like, that's great. I'll come out. We'll do the same song and dance every single day. That's great with me. Adorable. I just have a soft spot for old people. Me too. Why? Why? I don't know. I just love them. Why not? Why, Why not? not, man? I have a, I have a great relationship with my grandparents. So, same. Maybe that's where it comes from. We're like, you know what? Old people have only ever been great to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I think there's too many bus stop girls to name one winner. Yeah. Well, just this entire show was kind of about bus stop girls, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the concept of bus stop girls, did you already explain this? Mm-hmm. We only did happy. Uh, a bus stop girl is a nameless character who does a good turn. Not not 100% pure. They just, you know, pop in. No name. Nothing. They do a good turn. And then they fade back into the background of the show. And we never hear from them or think about them again until it's time to award the bus stop girl award which is why it's such a hard award to nominate people for because we're not supposed to remember them yep we uh we really just latched on to a joke from our first k-drama that we watched uh it's from w a bus stop girl comes she does a good turn she leaves and ever since we've been enamored with the character who's not a character because it's such, I don't know, it's the life you want to lead, right? Like, obviously you want to be the main character of your own story, but as much as you can, you want to be the bus stop girl for someone else. Like, you don't have to gain recognition for this good deed. It doesn't have to be something crazy, like the original bus stop girl just held on to a bag and was like, I'll wait at this bus stop for you to come pick up your friend's bag, but I think she lost it. And that's it. Like, just spending 20 minutes going out of your way to do something good for someone else without any recognition or need for reward. What a way to live your life. Yep. 
It's like happy, but different. It's so much more achievable than the happy award. Yeah, the happy award is the bus stop girl, but every day forever. Mm -hmm, and then you die. Yep. So, <laughs> yikes. Um, I want to hear your poem. I'm really excited. Yeah, okay. So, this is... I hope it's not, like, confusing as I read this. Uh, it's a poem called Northern Pike. It's by James Wright. Um, he is a somewhat contemporary poet. He passed away in 1980, so I guess... Now, it doesn't feel that contemporary, but, you know, when I first read it, I thought that it it was contemporary, which is why I said that out loud. I don't know very much about poetry. I just like to read poetry. <laughs> um, but it's one of my favorite poems, especially the last line, um, or stanza, I don't know. Um, but I just kept thinking back to it as we watched Move to Heaven, and... Um, yeah, I just, it, there's a lot of themes. And so again, I hope it's not confusing. I hope y'all also, I don't know, hear it and are not wondering why I'm reading this poem. I'm just going to read the goddamn poem. Okay. All right. Try this then. Everybody I know and care for and everybody else is going to die in a loneliness I can't imagine and a pain I don't know. We had to go on living. We untangled the net. We slit the body of the fish. Open from the hinge of the tail to a place beneath the chin I wish I could sing of. I would just as soon we let the thing go on living. An old poet, whom we believe in, said the same thing, and so we paused among the dark cattails and prayed for the muskrats, for the ripples below their tails, for the little movements that we know the crawdads were making underwater, for the right-hand wrist of my cousin, who was a policeman. We prayed for the game warden's blindness. We prayed for the road home. We ate the fish. There must be something very beautiful in my body. I am so happy. Oh, well done. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks for letting me on our podcast that's supposed to be mostly comedy. It's been one of my favorites for a really long time. And yeah, I think it's very, very beautiful and about loss and gratitude and um, gratitude after loss and acknowledging uh, death and and all of the little moments of the things living that may die as well. Oh. Ooh. All right. So, what would you rate this drama? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, dang. Um, I think it's a 9 out of 10 for me. It was almost a perfect 10 until the last two episodes, but I don't think they were, like, bad. I wouldn't be like, well... The whole show is terrible because I didn't enjoy the last two episodes as much as the first eight. Like, that feels too unfair. So I think it's a nine for me. Um, yeah, I'd also give it a nine. Um, because, yeah, the, I just feel like the last two episodes weren't representative of the drama. And normally, maybe we wouldn't be this lenient, but... I I genuinely think that this drama did something really special and unique and outside it of... It would have been a 10. It would have been a 10. Because outside of those last two episodes, it was almost flawless. Uh, the way they delivered stories of those who had passed and, um, you know, stories of those who who told those stories. 
and they had it. They had it all. So it's a nine because it can't quite be a 10. <laughs> so close. Um, one, we got uh, a new review on our iTunes. Uh, one, one thing that I wanted to mention because we are so excited every time we get a review. We've gotten so many more ratings. Thank you so much to everybody who's rated oh us. Oh my gosh, I never check. I just ask everyone to do it, and then I don't check, and that's the sweetest thing in the world. It's so kind. We can't see any names, so we just have to go with those beautiful little stars. Thank you so much to everybody who's given us ratings. I'm going to read this review because I'm so conceited, <laughs> and I want you to know about it. Tell me. Um... Feels like I am hanging out with my girlfriends by Jabberjaws, a.k.a. our new friend, Caitlin, from Dizzy for Dizzy podcast. Yeah, shout out the podcast! Shout out! If you want to get sucked into the black hole that is Turkish dramas, oh my god, I'm excited to go down this rabbit hole. Um, there's a podcast about it called Dizzy for Dizzy. Dizzy for Dizzies. I want to get the pronunciation right, because she told me. Um, it's hosted by two girls named Caitlin and Ashley, and they're also best friends. And I'm sure we're going to have the best time just nurturing, fostering this new friendship. She said, Okay, so I've only listened to a couple episodes so far since I just found my first K-drama, Crash Landing on You, and these girls have a great rapport, and it feels like I'm sitting in the living room and chatting with them while we all gush over the episodes being covered. Great job, girls. As a co-host of my own podcast about Turkish dramas, it's fun to be on the listening side of a podcast that covers a show I love. Big hugs, Kay. Aw, thank so you cute. so much. Thank you, Caitlin. Uh, and go listen to Caitlin's podcast. Watch it. Okay, first watch a Turkish drama if you want to join us all down the rabbit hole, and then go check out uh, their podcast. Um, yes. Dizzy for Dizzies. We're going to get into it. We're going to have no time for anything but dramas. I'm excited. Yeah, I guess I'll have to just, like, quit my new job and watch dramas all day, right? That's a ooh, ooh. best life plan. Let's go. Best life plan. Yeah, if you want to leave us a rating and review, you can do it on iTunes or Stitcher, I think. You still can. If you want to leave us a rating, you can rate us on Blueberry. Or if you just want to give us a listen, you can do it on Spotify. But any of those things you do help our podcast get seen by other K-Drama podcast listeners. Yeah, also I feel like before I say the next thing that we always do with our housekeeping. I should clarify if any of my new coworkers are listening. I have no intention of quitting my job. I'm enjoying my time there. I was making a fun joke and now I'm panicking. So normal oh, no. stuff, you know? No, it's fine. They just know the name of my podcast and where to find it. Um, <laughs> speaking of where to find the podcast, we also are have our web episodes up on our website, as well as a bunch of other stuff that you can check out there, like links to our affiliates. Uh, those include NordVPN, Skillshare, and Blueberry Podcasting. Have I missed any? 
That's all of them, and they're all amazing. And check them out if you've ever considered investing in any of them. Use our links, uh, drop our name, and it helps us out and them. And then um, we also, you can like sign up for our newsletter, which is fun and lets you know what we're up to other than what we have recently reviewed, or sometimes both what we've recently reviewed and other stuff. So yeah, check that out too. Uh, that's playonk.com. Sorry. Oh, yeah. We never even said that. Playonk.com, where you can also find a link to our Patreon or find it directly at patreon.com slash playonk to get access to all of our bonus content if you sign up for our happy award winner tier. Or you can just sign up for our bus stop girl award tier and just say like, hey, how's it going? I listen to the podcast. I appreciate it. Here's some money. And Oh my gosh, all of our Patreon subscribers mean the world to us. Thank you, thank you for anyone who supports us there. Yeah, it helps us keep the helps us keep the lights on on our entire endeavor and it it's up to you guys, so thank you so much. Yeah. Um you... oh. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, you can get a hold of us via email at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love to hear from you. We love to hear what you think. We'd love to hear what you thought of Move to Heaven. And if we're just like super wrong for putting it on blast, uh, we're not really, but uh, we are also <laughs> open to hearing anyone else's opinion. Usually y'all change my mind anyway. Like, I, it is not hard to come in with, like, even a somewhat solid argument and just be like, actually, have you thought of it this way? And I'm like, I did not. Everything's changed. So, yeah, send us mm-hmm. an email if you have some other thoughts or the same thoughts, honestly. That's also good. We love to just agree loudly with our listeners. <laughs> um, you can also contact us on Twitter at PlayOnK or on Instagram at PlayOnK Podcast. If you follow us, you can find updates on all of our latest episodes and just leave little comments or a little haze that tell us you're listening and yeah, whether you agree or disagree with our thoughts on the episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that covers all of our housekeeping. Join us next week where we will start a new drama. This time it's for October, so you know, gear up to get spooked. Ooh, spooky drama. Can't wait to see you then. <laughs>